Hey, everybody. Welcome to Generations Church Midweek Podcast, a podcast about everyday people committed to expanding God's family because of Jesus for generations to come. For those of you who don't know us, my name is John. I'm the engagement pastor here and not across from me at his house, you know, stay at home. Um, on his screen is Kyle, our lead pastor. And Kyle, you're having a fun day, aren't you? Oh man, let me just show you something, everyone here. We had a we had a leak in our sink in our kitchen. So I am trying to figure out if I can order one of these. I have not been to Home Depot yet to see if I can get one of these things, but this is cracked or busted. So every time we used our sink faucet, it was spraying water and it was running down in. But oh there's gosh. not a sponginess beneath the uh, beneath the sink, so we are we're good. It was dry. We just don't have a, a kitchen sink faucet oh with running water right now. So that that's that was a little bit of my afternoon. Hence why we're <laughs> about 15 minutes late to our normal weekly uh, podcast. But don't worry, Dude. we are here oh to gosh. dive deeper into this week's sermon because we know. You you all really want us to to talk more about this week's sermon, not about my leaky sink. Or about what's hair. going on with your new hairdo. Hey, now, listen, shout out to Caleb Bolton, who just kept making fun of me <laughs> mercilessly because yes. I hadn't cut my hair. And so I went back old school, went with the, the two guard <laughs> all the way around. No oh, long man. hair, no more. It's It's back <laughs> to being short, so... I mean, I got to give a shout out to my wife. She's been cutting my hair. So, I mean, it took her an hour and a half, two hours for me sitting in the bathroom, letting her go the first time, but yeah. you know, turned out not too bad. So yeah. we're pretty happy. Well, hey, it was better than me because as I was cutting my hair, part of the reason, maybe more of the reason that it ended up going <laughs> short is because the cat that we inherited uh, came up and like licked my leg and it freaked me out and I may have moved uh the, the hair a little higher than I anticipated well, so I expected. had to take it all the way down so a little more transparency a little more honesty there for oh me but gosh. I did I am going old school back to back to when we first moved to Vancouver and I used to have it this this short for a really long while still rocking the hat backwards though dude I I love it you crack me up so yeah uh, for those of you who are on with us today, feel free to continue to comment, interact with us. We'd love to answer any questions, clarification on what Kyle is talking about this past weekend, because we continued our series of substance uh, going through Colossians, and we were in Colossians 2, verse 15 this weekend. And Kyle, we're going to jump right into this, because just reading this verse alone, uh, there's a lot of baggage that comes with this, because it brings up two concepts. It brings up authorities and rulers. And let's just say like in our culture, at least uh, where we are, we don't have to deal with rulers necessarily, but we do have a form of democracy, uh, forms of government. And I mean, really, we have to kind of wrestle with what's being talked about here and how it kind of, uh, how does it relate to the Christians back in Corinth during this time when Paul's writing and how does it translate to us today? Is it just something that was in the past? Is it something that directly applies to today? Or is it just something we have to look at from a different angle? And so I pitched this big loaded question up to you, Kyle, of how we deal with this concept of disarming, um, putting to shame and triumphing over rulers and authorities. I think the main point to point out on this is the reason that, that Jesus and his, his perfect life, his sacrificial death, and powerful resurrection 
Uh, the reason it disarms and disgraces rulers and authorities, because you have to think about the ruler and authority and the power of Jesus's day. And so it was the Romans, they were large, in charge, and actually uh, their form of authority uh, and just their form of power uh, was basically their ability uh, through their military and the ability to punish people through crucifixion. And what, what the reason it's disarmed and ultimately disgraced, as Paul's talking about the, the message of Jesus, is that Jesus died on an instrument of Roman torture that ultimately provides the salvation for us. And so that's what's, that's what's really important is to say that actually what the Romans would have viewed as powerful instrument of torture and influence in their world that Jesus says, yes, I'm going to give my life up on that instrument of essentially of torture, but it's actually going to provide life for the people that are putting me to death. And so that's what's, that's how it's almost, it's disgraced, how it's, how this, this power play by the Pharisees and Sadducees who rejected Jesus at that time, the, the other Jewish people who were rejecting Jesus, um, who then defaulted to the Roman government, Jesus takes that powerful structure and says, actually, I'm going to submit to it, which then flips it upside down and brings life. And so what that means for us today is that love cannot be canceled. The ability to lay down our life for others, the ability to love and care for people mm. cannot be legislated out by government. It can't be put to death by laws or rulers and authorities. And actually the Christian way is that we, we, we are respectful of our government, that we, that we acquiesce to, to the laws in a respectful way. Paul talks about that in Romans. And so think about social distancing right now and the, the, the state governments and national government saying, hey, uh, don't gather in large groups. And so Generation Church, we're, we're agreeing to that because it's not a barrier to the presentation of the gospel and it's not an elimination of love. And at the core, that's what the Christian life is about is because of Jesus, we will continue to love. We will continue to extend um, a posture of selflessness. And even when there's barriers or things in the way, so, so we will acquiesce yeah. to a point, but we will still continue to go out of the way. And so for us, as we think about that, we have to recognize that there are rulers and authorities uh, yeah. in the world today both physically and spiritually behind those rulers and authorities that sometimes there are things that are legislated that are dictated by the authorities that are pure evil and we can disarm them in a way that is loving and selfless rather than one that picks up a sword or a spear and says we will outwardly rebel um, against against that that evil law and again we live in a country today where we can where we can overturn evil laws through voting and so yeah. it's our it's our ability we want to do that um anytime we see a, a system of oppression or a system of evil we have the ability to change that through voting so that's a little bit unique in our culture in our time 
But remember, the way in which we are supposed to do that is through uh, the message of love. Because Jesus says, those who live by the sword will die by the sword. But the ultimate, the way of Jesus and how he stood up to the rulers and authorities um, and the way in which God redeemed it was through him laying down his life for us. And so it's a countercultural way, flips it on its head. And so, John, I got to ask you, with that kind of long initial (laughs) unpacking of rulers and authorities, what struck you about the message? Is there something like that? Is the reason you asked that question because that's what you were getting out of it? Or what, for you, what is the main point that you took away? Hmm. There was this line that you had. um, I'm not going to say it exactly how you did because I can't remember exactly how you said it. But it was basically this concept that the church is to be the embodiment of victory on the cross through Jesus. That basically in the midst of, in the midst of unprecedented times, uh, unpredictableness, death, um, disease, spiritual forces, things that are going on that seem evil, that seem wrong, uh, the brokenness in the world, that we can have this hope and confidence that there is victory, uh, that those things have been defeated by Jesus. And when we talk about this embodiment, it's this, it's basically this internal uh, internalizing of the message. And then eventually it is this extending of it. And so mm-hmm. here at Generations, we talk about, uh, you have your fun little acronyms. So a bunch of RE's are engaged. So we begin to engage with Jesus. And when we begin to embody, it's when we begin to really just let his priority and characteristics shape us. Mm-hmm. And then we extend that out. And I love how you made that transition of this, of what it looks like when we begin to embody, we extend it. And even in a time like this, where there is this social distancing, uh, this stay at home order, um, one of my, the fun things uh, that I love that we're getting to do with some of the local um, community around us is what we're talking about, the business buyout. Mm. Uh, when, me and Hannah went and got our mod pizza today um oh you did did you take a picture of it yeah we already posted it don't worry good so did we rose did it too already so we've had a couple people who've done it and and it's a cool way just to in the midst of this so show support and love to our community to show that we're even in a time where we are distant we are still together loving one another we are still family in a community at broad And so I think that was something that stood out to me of almost that the transition of internalizing it and then sending it out, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in in very, very tangible, very tangible ways. And that's, that's what, at the end of the day, that's what it's really about is expressing Mm -hmm. a love of Jesus in tangible ways. And so, yes, I am absolutely so excited about this local business buyout. And if you're watching this right now and you're living in the Salmon Creek, Vancouver area, go to our website and submit a business that you would like us to support. And we will continue to select businesses in the next couple of weeks and months. And who knows, this may become a reoccurring thing that we do beyond this yeah. coronavirus crisis. Because yeah. we know that as the local just economy just to be good citizens, we mm-hmm. have to care for the local economy. We have to invest and really as Generation Church, we care about 
everybody's wellness and we do everything because of Jesus. So that, that includes again, just the, exactly. the local con. So yeah. super pumped about this. Yeah. I, I love it. It's, it's fun. I'm excited to see other people rally behind it. Matt says he's getting his at five. So we, we've got people who are doing it and I'm excited for it. Yeah. Uh, they're, yeah. They're, I, I'm, yeah. I'm as well. We're, we're getting ours tonight. So, so I look for the picture Yes. everybody else go get some mod tonight support them hashtag we Send want to see picture tag it yes 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 definitely and so kyle there's a this other almost this other illustration you brought about this weekend uh, you had this discussion about this concept of deconstruction mm. and you connected it to anti-heroes that have become really popular in uh, superhero movies and everything so to start kyle i gotta ask do you have a favorite anti-hero venom hands down Dude, hands down. Love we didn't talk Venom. about this beforehand. That makes me so happy. That's my favorite. Dude, oh. Venom, I so I I I the other night is I'm sitting on the couch with Ruth and I'm like, Ruth, look at Emergency Awesome. Another YouTuber has like is pasting, uh, posting all these like spoilers and teasers of how they're gonna weave in like Venom and Carnage and yeah, and all this that's... stuff. And I'm like, and how they're gonna bring in Spider Man and how Sony and Marvel are working together and the Sinister Six. And I'm just like. Yes, but Venom, oh, Dude. with Tom Hardy, such a good, such Dude, a good. That was, it was a good cast. I love, oh, man. Yeah. It's so, so much better than the old Spider-Man 3. Oh. Yes, yes. yes. So, they finally did it justice. Yes. So, okay. Uh, so, yeah, that we, now that we have that cleared Venom up. You yes. come in. And yeah, now that we've nerded out. Yeah, I uh, have bit. that cleared <laughs> up, our favorite anti-heroes and everything. But I, I need you to correct me here for a moment. Uh, yeah. I kind of want to understand your concept of deconstruction for just okay. a moment. Um, so tell me if I'm uh, taking this in the proper direction. Okay. Um, basically, from what I gathered, you're trying to establish this understanding that in our, as our culture is um, moving towards basically tearing down the cultural norms, uh, philosophies and ideologies of the world, basically saying, are these things really true? And they're tearing it down to its core. And yep. once they begin to tear it down, they begin to take the pieces of each and every, uh, maybe a cultural norm or philosophy or ideology that they like to construct their, basically to construct their own uh, ideology or philosophy of what it looks like uh, to live a good life or have the good and right in the midst of this world. Am I close to kind of where yeah. you're at? Yeah, I, I think okay. you are. And I, here's what I would say, John, is you actually went a step further than what I went, is I think sometimes that it is it is easier to sit in a level of chaos and deconstruction mm. because it's known. Okay. So I would say that even at times that we don't even start to put the pieces back together. Okay. That, it, that because of, because it's almost more socially acceptable to live in a level of chaos and deconstruction to just yeah. be against it's be really skeptic hard. yeah 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 it's it's easier to be skeptic rather than be known as people that are for something and when we're for something then also not just be vocally for something but tangibly take steps to construct uh something and so that's what i would say is we tend to exist in a level of deconstruction because mm -hmm. it's known rather than begin to rebuild a life. And again, we want to rebuild a life that's with Jesus. And what, and what I would say is the reason we like a level of deconstruction is yeah. because again, it puts us at the center. It kind of puts us at the source of authority mm -hmm. because while everything is at in chaos, 
we can kind of sit back and point fingers and make a level of judgment, be skeptic and say, yeah. and again, what it does is it actually creates distance. It creates a level of, of isolation and self-authority yeah. that is ultimately unfulfilling and ungrounded. And it's a lot harder to work towards a level of construction of, of positive and direction because it just takes a level of fortitude. Okay. Um, because what happens, and the reason I use that level of fortitude is because as you start to construct, there's going to be a, there's going to be conflict. Okay. And we are conflict adverse people. And so yeah. it, again, it's easier to the type of conflict we like is we like the point we like to, to create that distance, lob things at each other. It's a mm -hmm. lot harder to say, what can we do together to positively make a difference? And so what we see, and, and I, my illustration for this is the manifestation of this cultural kind of norm and yeah. highlighting the, the kids that went on spring break in the midst of this coronavirus is yeah. nothing can harm me. Like it's not real. <laughs> I'm not going to let anything get in my way. No matter what outside authority says, mm -hmm. I'm not going to listen. Um, into the world. And so again, that's not to bash uh, Gen Z again, but what it does is it shows how this cultural mantra or just actuality of deconstructing lend it, led itself to in the middle of a crisis, you have people who are just like, yeah, I'm, I'm just going to distance myself things out. I'm going to do me and I'm going to, I'm going to plunge uh, forward. And okay. so what we see is what Christ calls us to is to a cross to where mm -hmm. we are selfless, which means that we begin to construct a life with him. And so okay. that's, that's really what it moves it to. And again, John, you know me, I can get all kinds of abstract ideas and pull a lot oh, of yeah. pieces here and there. So as you hear me processing that and kind of rebringing us back together, are there any other passages of scripture you might point people to so that they get a fuller picture or a more full picture? If I can use correct English, I don't even know right now at this moment. <laughs> what is English? Yeah, yeah, what yes. it is. But, but what passage of scripture might you point people to to help them get a better understanding of what I'm trying to describe? Mm. I think one of the things that has stood out to me, um, and it's been kind of a, it's a mixture of what we're talking about here, uh, which you talked about this past weekend, and just what we're seeing in our culture a lot this weekend. And uh, there, there's a statement you had this weekend that I really liked. And it was, the substance uh, will surface when the fluff uh, what was it? The substance services when the fluff reduces or yeah, reduces. Yeah. yeah reduces. Yeah. So basically kind of where I, my mind immediately goes to is back to, um, back to Luke. There's a, there's a two part uh, kind of passage thing that um, I think is really cool to connect at the end of Luke chapter six verses 46 through 49 we get the, uh, the illustration of the house on the rock versus the house on the sand. Uh, a lot of us has probably heard this uh, illustration and basically talking about a guy built his house built on the rocks, another guy built his house on the sand. And when the storm comes, the guy whose uh, house was built in the sand uh, crumbles, basically. It's washed away. But the guy whose house is built on the rock stands strong. And right after that, we see a story uh, in Luke chapter seven, verses one 
through 10. And the thing that's always stood out to me about this uh, passage in basically dealing with this centurion is there's this word that is used uh, to describe Jesus's emotion at the end of it. And it's that he's amazed, that he marveled. And there's only two times in which we see that word used to describe Jesus. Mm. One, it's used here to describe a positive of he was amazed. Some Bible knowledge right there, John. Yeah, he was amazed by this guy's faith. The only other time it was used was when Jesus was in his hometown of Nazareth and he's trying to, and he's basically run out of town and he was amazed by their lack of faith. Mm. And what we see here in this house, basically this illustration of a house built on a rock and a house built on the sand, I think a lot of us can relate to and kind of what you talked about here is that when things begin to be stripped away and things of the, either we strip things away or it just naturally happens in a world where, hey, we all have to stay at home and works are closed. Amazon, you can't just order stuff on Amazon in two days anymore. Oh man! Like everything takes That's over funny. a month and they might be, who knows, they might be closing uh, with a strike and everything. And the world's in chaos and everything seems to be crumbling. At the end of it, when all that is gone, what is left standing? Hmm. What is left holding you up? What do you have to hold firm onto? Hmm. And basically at the core of this, this is where we get to this concept that Jesus is our substance. He is our foundation. He is the hope of the victory that we can cling onto in the midst of a brokenness, unpredictableness. And I love it because the centurion here is a very odd character because you get to the end of the gospels and it's the centurions that killed Jesus. Mm. Like, I mean, think about it. Like he's a part of the Roman like soldier guards. And yet he is a person that is described having greater faith than mm. all of Israel. Mm. And to me, it, it's a cool illustration just referencing back to at the end of it, when things begin to strip away disease, the brokenness of this world, disasters happen. What are you holding firm to? And where are you going to find your hope? your confidence, things that will continue to hold you up when everything else is stripped away. Yeah. And I, I, I love that, how you paired those two passages together. Cause as again, as we talked off the top about just Jesus disarming and disgracing and in a, in a way Jesus was proving how or, or talking about what real faith actually mm-hmm. looks like. And it doesn't look like, um, a, a level of power that we're accustomed to. We actually see someone who is in a power position yeah. saying, Jesus, you have the answers. You're the one who can bring healing. And he recognizes this because he, because he built a synagogue. And at the end of yeah. the day, Jesus has to be our rock. And especially in this time and, and yep. when things are stressful, when when there might be conflict in your house because you're around your spouse all the time or or there's, there, yeah. or there's you know your kids are, are, are stressing you out or or you feel very isolated because you can't connect with anyone at the end of the day like whatever you're going to to cling to like if mm. it's not jesus it can be essentially whipped away by the storms of this life to go back to the the building the house on the sand or building it on a rock it's like yeah. jesus is the only thing that will keep you upright and, and keep you fortified as the, this, the chaos and the deconstruction yeah. of our world in, in, which, in which we live. And so I just, yeah. I think it's really, 
it's really important that we remember that it's Jesus is the foundation and he's, he's the mm. substance. And that's what, again, that's what the series is built on. And it's funny because yeah. I used, uh, I had did that little challenge at the start of the sermon of like coming up with yep. antonyms and synonyms uh, mm. for those yep. who were watching uh, the sermon on Sunday. And uh-huh. it was funny because so many people were thinking of substance in all these different ways. And it was cool to kind of say, well, actually, like when I talk about substance and being sub Jesus being substantive, like mm-hmm. these are the other words that we mean. And here's what we, we don't mean by substance. Yeah. So that was, that was a little fun to have, have, have <laughs> on Sunday. So, oh yeah. I, I really, I you, I really enjoy. You like to have fun and throw some random things out there. I, I know well, you. I'm, I'm competitive at my core. So anytime yeah. I can have a challenge and it was like, everyone was like, oh man, you, you know, I, you, you got to do the first meeting. And it was like, no, no, the point is, is I wanted, I wanted the synonyms of substance for what we are talking about. I probably didn't explain mm. that very well, but you know what? Hopefully it illustrated the point that the substance mm. is Jesus. Jesus is tectonic. I love that word. He is weighty. It, yeah. it, he is something that we can build our life on. He's the person that which we can build our life on and around. Yeah. So in, in talking about that, and kind of evaluating yourself from this past weekend. Is there anything as you've been kind of processing these past couple of days? Is there anything maybe you don't feel like you got to articulate the way you wanted, or uh, maybe you wish you clarified better, or you got any questions back from this weekend? Yeah. So one of the things we <laughs> that love, immediately. Okay. Well, one of the things we love when people do is they go, Kyle, like you were you were out here, like I did not get that. Help clarify. So here's where help clarifying. So. If Bob Larimer, I'm calling you out, I'm going to clarify it. I'm going to talk about maple syrup. Here, here's the chance for you to learn about maple syrup. So growing up in Ohio and growing up on a ton of acreage, one of the things that we would always do at the start of the year is we would make maple syrup. So we'd oh go to gosh. trees, we'd insert a, a little tap, and the sugar water would run out of the trees into these buckets. And the way in which you make maple syrup is you take all the sugar water and you take it to a big silver boiling pan, got a fire underneath it, and you just keep pouring the water in and it reduces the sugar water down. So it gets thicker like the maple syrup that you would buy in the store. And so what happens is as you boil this down, as you, as you reduce uh, the sugar water down to actually make maple syrup, what happens is the impurities start to come to the surface and you skim them and you scoop them off and you get rid of it. You pour it through bags of filtration. So basically you're, you're trying to, all the extra stuff, the stuff that's not good, that's not essential to the maple syrup, you get rid of, but then the sugar water is eventually reduced. And what happens is as you add more sugar water to, to the boiling pan is eventually the maple water becomes thick and you hold up a spoon and you look at the spoon and if it's like drips really fast, you know it's not thick enough. And if it drips very slowly, then you know you're on your way to making some great maple syrup. And the point out of that was, is the substance surfaces when when the fluff disappears. So when all that extra stuff that you don't need that's not essential starts Mm. to disappear and it gets really hot and it gets reduces the good stuff surfaces which means you go from sugar water mixed with all kinds of impurities to really really good 
maple syrup made in the sugar shack. And I, I threw in the little cultural thing where you throw in an egg or a piece of hot or a hot dog and you boil it in the sugar water and it basically has this nice candy coating around it. So it's real sweet. Oh it's gosh. amazing. So anybody who, oh. who, uh, from my Ohio family, if you watch this, yes, I talked about maple syrup. I hope I did it justice. It is, it is a great time. My family's got all kinds of pictures of it, but Sugar Shack's closed up and uh, I can't wait to, I can't <laughs> wait to get my shipment of Melcher maple syrup. Can't wait for that to happen. So that's the piece that I wish I would have been able to really do it justice and explain yeah. that well to talk about how the substance emerges when the fluff and all the extra stuff disappears. Mm. When it's reduced, the good stuff is the result. It's the final thing. So as you can tell, I'm like, oh I, I got that mental picture going right now. Oh, uh, yeah. Got that mental picture going. So yeah, so that's what I wish I would have clarified. And John, you know, oh. we, we do this each and every week is we try to inspire people to action. And so as we paint word pictures, yeah. like maple syrup, as we talk about abstracts and how, how it really applies to the everyday life, we want to see action. We want people to almost do this I will statement. And so here's yeah. my first question about an I will statement. You and I talked yeah. last week yeah. and we said, hey, you got to, you're going to do an I will statement. So first part of a two-part question, yeah. did you do your I will statement from last week? Yes, in a little bit different of a way. Okay. So I said, write it down. I may or may not have used the notes on my phone. Um, okay. So, you know, type, so you type, type and delete kind of thing, you know? Okay. That's so. good. That's good. So yeah. use so a little time, with... use a little time when you're alone in the car, type it, yeah. delete it. Yeah. I, don't hey, write, hey, I didn't type it while driving. There's voice, voice things called text. a red. Yeah. Yeah, voice yeah. to text. Gotcha. Yeah. Good. So, John, based off this week's teaching, what? How did this week's teaching drive you to action? What is your "I will" statement from this weekend? Oh man, I think I think one of the big things um, that we kind of took away from this weekend was even even us just realizing in the midst of this time, um, we know just the people who are literally in our apartment complex. And mm -hmm. so that's where me and Hannah uh, have even been talking about ways in which we can care and love for people around us. And so we've been, uh, one of the things we're trying to do is process of, man, how can we get to know our neighbors? And so I love the letter and the challenge you gave this week. And so for us, our, our I will is basically, I will somehow try and figure out a way to be very intentional about learning at least my neighbor's name, just to get to know them. Um, we have three people that are across in two okay. diagonal from us. Okay. We don't, we don't even know their name. You know, one of the people who are a little bit further up, yeah. but just at making more of an effort to actually get to know our neighbors, the people that are right around us that live by us every day, you know? Cool. I love that. That's such a, that's such a good challenge as we talk about loving our neighbor and being, being the people who are selfless in this mm -hmm. kind of cultural moment. Um, oh. Not being a people of fear, but being a people of faith, which means tangible expressions of love. Mm -hmm. So I love that. And I can't yeah. wait to ask you next week how that I will statement went yeah. or if you're able to catch someone uh, in person. Yeah. So I got to pitch that back around to you. Okay. How things go last week and what's this week look like? Yeah. So it was funny. 
Sunday after church got got the live stream got wrapped up and it was like my my first when I came home the first thing I didn't do was like look at the numbers and try to gauge or evaluate yeah. who was on or who was watching and because I was telling myself is yeah. part of my challenges as as we do more and more stuff online is yeah. you know to, to as we as we check numbers as we look at things like that is to just flat yeah. out not get my identity caught up in that and so tell myself that my worth is not equivalent to to what I produce and what the what the numbers are and so Sunday when I came home that was I I intentionally made the choice not to do that so I could make sure that my self-talk was was in accordance with what I said I would do and I had a much a much better uh, Sunday afternoon with the kids we hung out Ruth got to go hang out with some friends and so six feet apart just, just anyone <laughs> clarify yeah 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 gotta gotta be six feet apart so uh so yeah it was it was it was great it helped me have a much better mood I wasn't even drained um Good. just because I was I was able to to be present uh with my kids watched a little uh tv hung out wrestled played made some puzzles played some games yeah. so it was That's awesome it was, it was good so my my I will for this week is yeah, I got I got to think of how almost take a breath of so I I think my I will is because I do know our neighbors mm-hmm. is my I will is actually delivering the neighbor letter this week of making sure that it's just not a good idea that I talked about but taking that piece to actually do it yeah. and then and then making sure I get some odd pizza tonight so clearly oh, yeah. I have to make sure make sure I get some food um that way so (laughs) yeah so i love it get get some mod tonight to support local and highlight that stuff and make sure i deliver the neighbor letters uh to those in and around our street so if you're a neighbor that's watching this right now because we're friends on facebook you should expect to get a letter from us after i've washed my hands yes and uh uh from us just asking maybe how we how we can care for you that's awesome. So I, I hope that this podcast today, as John and I have talked, has been extremely helpful for you. John, is there anything else that you, you want to add, kind of put a bow on it as we wrap up today's episode of the podcast? Man, I throw a ball in my court. I'm, I'm giving you a chance to get the final word here. Man, this is this is a big moment, you know. I have big to moment. contemplate, of- kind of waste some time to think of something. No, I think um, I think it's just what we've talked about is that what it looks like to be a church that goes beyond walls, beyond one location, that truly loves our community, our neighbors, and those people we interact with. And so, just seeing even just some of the organic relations that have happened around generations has been super cool people interacting on social media, phone calls and handwritten notes being made without us even prompting it. To me, that that is some of the coolest things. Uh, People who are just checking in saying, what do you need right now? How can we care for you? How can we pray for you? Uh, People that are delivering groceries, watching people's kids, just, just loving people the way that Jesus has loved them and just sharing that, uh, not only embodying it, but extending it. I mean, that's, that is what the church looks like when they have a hope that Jesus has the victory. 
and that we don't have to be afraid of this time. Yeah. So Jesus has won. So I guess clearly I got the last word there in that moment. (laughs) So thank you for joining us on today's uh, episode of the podcast. As always, if you would like to connect with us, you can find us at mygenerations.church on all of our social media channels. And if you look on us at YouTube, please subscribe. We would greatly appreciate that. Stay tuned for more daily devotions and all kinds of exciting things coming out of Generations Church because we are a community of everyday people committed to expanding God's family together because of Jesus for generations to come.